Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Amazing. We're going to come around the Word of God this morning. Um, I think we've been, you, most people know we're in this middle of a series or we're at the end of the series now of a series called Revive. One of the definitions of Revive is to give new power to something or awaken something. And so I think, you know, it would, we would have a missed opportunity if that was the definition of Revive and we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And so this morning I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God's presence here on earth today. It's God's presence here amongst us on earth today. We believe in one God. One God that exists as and in three equally divine persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I've heard people say, yeah, God is like an egg. No, He's not. He's God. He's not like an egg. He surpasses all of our human intellect. And that's a good thing. Because if we could work God out in our nine pound human brain, he wouldn't be much of a God to worship, would he? I've heard other people say, he's like a body of water because a body of water can be ice and it can be steam and it can be liquid. God's like a body of water. No, he's not. He's God. And he far exceeds any of our understanding. So can we do Christendom some value this morning and stop referring to God as an egg or a body of water? Because we're not baking a cake. We're talking about the God of the universe. It is okay to not understand God in his entirety because he's God. So God is what? One God who exists as and in three equally divine persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't try and work it out. That's what it is. But that doesn't make sense in my natural brain because he's God. You know, the doctrine of Jesus is this, that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God with no mixture. Try and work that one out. You can't. And you know what? It's actually a good thing. God is bigger than our human intellect. He goes beyond anything we could ever think, dream, or imagine. So we believe that is who God is. He is one God who exists as and in three equally divine persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence here amongst us today. In John chapter 14... We see the disciples around the Last Supper, reclining around the table, and Jesus is really just stirring the pot a little bit with all of them. First of all, he tells them, one of you is going to betray me, and then they're getting in arguments about it. Then he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, and then Peter's in denial that he's going to deny. He's denying that he's going to be a denier, and it's like this whole thing. And then Jesus is there, and then he says, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they're like, no, Jesus, please don't go. We love you. And he's like, okay. And then he says this in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. That's an interesting line to remember. He will be with you forever. 
It's not forever yet. He will be with us forever. He's still here. He's still amongst us today. He will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and in you. For he lives with you and in you. And then the disciples are like, please, but we're going to miss you so much. Please don't go. Please don't go. And so then in John 16, 7, he says, very truly, I tell you, it's actually good that I'm going away. Can you imagine hearing that as the disciples? This is Jesus. Do they, you know, have come to know as the Messiah, seen him do us. It's actually good for me to go away because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then Jesus dies. But then he's risen again, conquered grave, defeated death, satisfied the wrath of God that was against humanity and set us free. That is why we come and we worship this morning because Jesus rose again from the grave to set us free. So now whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for he satisfied the wrath of God that was against humanity. So now everyone, up until this point, everyone had a Genesis 1.26 value on their head. You still have a Genesis 1.26 value on your head. Genesis 1.26 value is this, that you are made in the image of God. Every single one of you made in the image of God. Why do you have value? Because God made you, created you. You are His masterpiece. You are made in the image of God. But because of what Jesus has done, a value has been added to each and every one of you because now you have a John 3.16 value. What's John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Bible also says that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. So now you've got more value. What value do you have? That the creator of the universe literally came down and died for you. To have relationship with you. And So this isn't just a small thing. Jesus died and rose again. For it's why we gather this morning. So Jesus goes and he finds his disciples and he says, hey guys, just as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And then in John 20, 22, he says, uh, when he said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Many scholars believe that this was the disciples' salvation moment. The disciples believe that Jesus is the Messiah now. They believe in their heart because they've seen it with their own lives, that God has risen him from the dead. This is their salvation moment. And God says, now I'm, Jesus says, now I'm sending you. And what does he do? He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's important to know for old school Pentecostalism out there that this is before the day of Pentecost. He breathed his spirit into them. For at the moment of salvation, Christ breathes His Spirit into you and He lives with you. He makes a home with you. It's important to know. Then He says to them before He's about to ascend to heaven, He says, listen, before I go, I need to tell you something. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to do, I want you to go in a room and I want you to wait, I want you to pray. And then the Holy Spirit is going to not just be in you, but He's going to come upon you. And so... The last thing Jesus says, Acts chapter 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness. The Greek word for witness is martos. It's a legal term. 
it means proof or evidence. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will become the proof, the evidence of the life, death, resurrection, and transforming power of Jesus. That's what it means. And so then the disciples went in a room, about 120 of them. They pray. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The Bible says what would seemingly be tongues of fire rested upon them. They spilled out into the streets, miracles and wonders and signs and wonders and people are confused but excited, people amazed and wondering what's going on at the same time. And then Peter, a once timid uh, guy who gave in to his fear and denied Jesus three times in front of a child, then stands up in front of thousands of people, preaches the gospel because the Spirit has come upon him. The Spirit moves the hearts of the people and 3,000 people come to know Jesus that day, thus beginning the church as we know it. The church of Christ was born that day after the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. I don't know about you, but I think the last few months, I have definitely felt a shifting in my spirit, a shaking in my spirit, an unsettling in my spirit, a calling, a moving, a drawing. I think God is drawing people, calling people, moving people, shifting people, unsettling people. He is doing something inside of us. And I believe that some of you may be even sitting here today and you go, yeah, I feel like God is doing something inside of me. I can't even put my finger on what it is. I cannot get off my heart the verse in, in Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. In verse 9 of that same chapter, it says this when it's talking about the world. Justice is far from us. Righteousness does not reach us. For we look for light, but we find dark. For we walk in the shadows. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. I can't shake it. Can I tell you something, church? God has, Isaiah is talking about Jesus. So the temptation when we read the scriptures is to go like, well, I think it means this. Well, no, you don't think it means this. It means something. He's talking about Jesus. It's prophesying about Jesus. Jesus is the standard that God has raised. He always has been. He is. And he always will be the standard. For in fact, Revelation says that at the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain for the sins of man. That means Jesus was the way before we even needed a way. He was the truth before we could even lie. And he was the life before it even existed. He was light before there was any light. He was the light before there was the sun. Jesus is the standard, will always be the standard and is always into eternity going to be the standard. Jesus has risen the standard. So as our world, as it has always done, runs headfirst into darkness, we don't need another standard because we don't need another saviour because Jesus has already been raised from the dead. What we need is witnesses. What we need is people whose lives and walk represent and are proof and evidence of the life, death, resurrection and transforming power of Jesus. We don't need another Jesus to come. We don't need another Saviour to come. 
What we need is witnesses. People whose life become the proof and the evidence of the life, death, resurrection and transforming power of Jesus. Why do I think that God is stirring people to be a witness? So then the question begs, church, what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to be a witness? Now we can and we could unpack that for hours, practically. What does it mean to be a witness practically? We could unpack that for hours. But I kind of just like Jesus' answer. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be a witness. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be a witness. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and makes a home within you. He speaks to you. He guides you. He seals you with the seal of God. He calls you justified, redeemed, forgiven. He's the one who marks you to be adopted into God's family. For the Spirit of God does not live out there. He lives in His people. The presence of God is carried in the people. And so sometimes we think God is out there. And so when we expect to hear from God or we're trying to listen to God or hear from God, we expect something to happen out there. When I was... 16 and got saved, I was radically, my mind was blown. I came from a world that was like, God just did not exist. And then having a supernatural encounter with God, like to this point where I was like, well, there is a God. Like it blew my mind. So I was like crazy. Like I I was just like, not like your normal average 17 year old at that point. Like I would invite people over to my house as a 17 year old man, not to just have a sleepover and play PlayStation and and muck around, but to have prayer meetings. It was weird. All the spiritual people are like, oh wow, that's great. No, it's weird. It's actually a little weird. Anyway, we... So we get the boys around, you know, we have these prayer meetings. We start, we're casting devils out of each other. We're going nuts. We watch one too many Benny Hins, one too many Tally Evangelists, and we were just losing it. Do you know what I mean? We're like in this paddock, there was a lot of screaming and yelling back in those days. We're screaming, yelling, lived in the country, so we could just out in this paddock. Then one of, all of a sudden, one of my mates is just like, yo, man, God is going to speak to us today. He's just, I just feel it. He's going to speak to us. We're going to see lightning in the sky or something. Escalated from there. It was like went from lightning into the sky to a comment to a you know we're going to be transfigured to it finally settled with what was actually going to happen was that um, the archangel Michael was going to come because he's way cooler than Gabriel. Gabriel's this you know, but Michael we're like Michael. Someone's like you know God's going to show us an angel. Like yeah, God's going to show us an angel. It's going to be good. Then someone's like you know you get in that spiritual mode, you get weird. People are like God's it's going to be great. Hey, we need to actually look for him. God's going to look. So there's us, a bunch of seventeen year old boys like walking through the forest, like a little bit scared because you know stuff. But we're like no, God's going to show us an angel. Like Michael, Michael, where are you? Like walking around this way. Then all of a sudden, my my mate just loses his mind. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh. And we're like, what, what, what? Grab like, we can't see. Where is he? Michael, where are you? And he's like, oh my gosh. A shooting star, man. <laughs> and we're all like, you're an idiot. In fact, we're all idiots. <laughs> I wish someone had told me back then in 1 Kings, 
Elijah goes and stands on the mountaintop in the presence of the God. And there is a great wind that tears apart the mountains. But God is not in the wind. He stands on the mountaintop. There is a great earthquake that shakes the foundations of the earth. But God is not in the earthquake. And there is a great fire that consumes. But God is not in the fire. And then the Lord comes as a gentle whisper. For the Spirit of God speaks to you like a gentle whisper. Why? Because he's not out there. He's in here. He speaks to you through thoughts, impressions, feelings, just a gut knowing. He speaks to you in here. Can also, the Spirit of God can also speak to our senses, you know, through our eyes, through our touch, through our hearing. Yes, you can hear the audible voice of God. People in the Bible have heard it. People throughout history has heard it. But as a rule, it is rare. So if you're hearing voices in your head, get some prayer and go to the hospital first. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us. He lives in here. When you give your life to Jesus, he breathes his spirit into you. Then it was John Wesley, a great theologian at the turn of the 20th century, who finally put words to what we knew to be true from Scripture. He finally put words to what was happening throughout history. He called it a secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's come to be known as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not one of water, but one of the Spirit. A secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of God doesn't just, it's not one of salvation. The Spirit of God doesn't want to just live in you. He wants to come upon you. Why? To be a witness. I know. I didn't believe it either. I didn't. And I'll speak to it because... When I first joined church, there was a lot of weird stuff happening, man. And I didn't know, I couldn't, I didn't know if it was legit or not. And I think I told this story when I first come. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to the States for a little, a little time to do school there. And when I, I was about, say, for about three months and um, the family I stayed with was like the most Christian family in the world. Like he was a Christian doctor. She was a TV, Christian TV host. And they'd pray before school. And, you know, their son was like a star football player. He like twisted his knee, but they're like, nah, we're going to pray. Instead of taking him in the hospital, they took him into their lounge room and got the grandma around. The grandma prayed for him and his knee got better. Like it was like that kind of stuff. And anyway, they owned a charity called Kids Against Hunger. And so we were packing bags in this Hilton hotel. And then we, um, I'm standing in the foyer afterwards just with a bunch of my friends. And this guy comes out of nowhere and goes, hey, do you guys know Jesus? Yeah, actually, yeah. Like for, uh, you know, for about three months, I had a supernatural encounter with God. He changed my life. It was amazing. Like it, it's blown my mind. I love Jesus, blah, blah. And my friends were like kind of the same. And then he's like, hey, well, have you had the secondary experience with the Holy Spirit? Has he come upon you to be a witness? Has he given you power so that you have the words to say when there are no words to say? And when you shouldn't say words, do you have the boldness to lay hands and pray on people, to prophesy over people, to lead people to Christ? I was like, no, (laughs) but I'm open. He was like, great, do you want me to pray? I'm just going to pray, lay hands on you and say, Holy Spirit, would you come upon this, these young guys? 
Like, sure. Thinking we were going to go into a private room or off to the corner. But here we are in the middle of the Hilton Hotel lobby where people are checking in and all this stuff. And you don't understand my background. Some of you grew up in church, like jumping over people who've fallen over on the front and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't me. Uh, uh, that wasn't me. So like people are checking in. There's business people walking around. Like this is a, ha- it's like eight o'clock. Like this is where people are checking in. It's like happening. People are going to dinner. And he's like, okay, lift your hands. I was like, here? He's like, yeah, lift your hands here. I'm like, <clears throat> okay, God, I'm open. Lift my hands. He said, I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, come upon you. Can I tell you something? It wasn't weird. It was this moment where I just stood there, closed my eyes, tried to shut everything else out and just said, Holy Spirit, would you come upon me? He laid his hands on me and I saw a vision. And again, if you're like me, I was a huge skeptic. You're like, what do you mean a vision? I saw in my head a picture. It was me standing on a hill. There was young people behind me. There was things coming up. And, and as they came up, I pushed them back down. And then I ran to the other side as things came up and was grabbing young people. And I pushed them back down. And then I ran back to the other side and I pushed them back down again. I then, you know, felt a heavy weight, fell on the ground backwards, kind of lost where I was a little bit and just had this overwhelming encounter with this tangible presence of God. A tangible presence with, with God, of God overwhelmed me. Then someone put their hand on my shoulder and I heard a lady's voice, which was weird to me because it was a man who was praying for us. <laughs> but I heard a lady's voice. Do you know what she said? She said, I see you on a hill as a youth pastor. At this stage, I was 16. As a youth pastor, I see you pushing kids down, pushing the enemy down, kids down. <laughs> You know, sometimes I was tempted in the last 10 years to kick a few in the throat, but that's a different story. Pushed them down, ran to another side, pushed them down, and then you ran back again. Exactly what I saw in my head. I know that to be true now. Started in youth ministry in Bendigo, went to Canberra, came back to Bendigo. Exactly what was in my head, exactly what this lady said. But I was curious because the lady, it was a lady whispering to me, so I was like, kind of peeking, like opening, opening my eyes. And then all of a sudden I was surrounded by people. And my first instinct was like, I've made it on the news. <laughs> I'm going to look like one of those weirdos and my mum's going to f- absolutely flip out like I've lost my mind. But then as I looked closer and, cl- and, and sat up, I didn't know you're supposed to like get up slowly at that point, you know. So I just got up and um, there were people getting led to Christ there was this overwhelming presence of God. There was probably like 40, 50 people who were getting prayed for, people crying, people encountering the presence of God. Then the guy calls up his daughter. This is a true story. You can't make this up. A guy called up his daughter. His daughter came with an acoustic guitar. And with 50, 60 people at that stage, we just began to worship Jesus in the middle of this five-star Hilton hotel lobby while everything else was going on. So I didn't believe it either. And then I counted a very real, tangible second experience with the Holy Spirit. That changed everything for me. It changed everything for me. What did it do? It gave me boldness. It gave me power. It gave me to to just believe and pray for people. 
It, it gave me the words to say when there was no words, and it gave me the uh, boldness to just pray for people when I didn't know what to say. Since that day, I could tell you story after story after story after story of what I've seen God do. Not because there's anything special with, with me. Trust me, I'm just as flawed as, as everybody else, but simply because God's power is real and he is alive and he wants to come upon you to be a witness to change the world around you. To change the world around you. The band can come back up because I'm almost done. A secondary experience. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's not falling over. That can happen, but that's not what it is. It's not goosebumps. (laughs) Some people get like goosebumps on their It's not goosebumps. That can happen, sure. But that's not what it is. It's not crying. (laughs) Although that can happen, but that's not what it is. It's not shaking, rattling, rolling around on the ground. It's not barking like a dog. It's not yelling fire into the microphone or blowing really hard. (laughs) I've seen all of those things happen. Some more legitimate than others. (laughs) But that's not what it is. What is it? It's the Spirit of God coming upon you to be a witness. Let me rephrase it. It's the Spirit of God coming upon you to be the evidence, to be the proof of the life, death, resurrection, and transforming power of Jesus Christ. It's what it is. And it's natural. To the Christian, it should be natural. And it's not even just a once-off personal day of Pentecost. It's a continue, continue to have encounters with the Holy Spirit where He comes upon us that mark us for different seasons. So if you're getting a stirring in your heart, you feel like you're coming into a new season or getting shifted, maybe it's the time to surrender to the Holy Spirit again and let Him come upon you to give you power for the next season. Tell you three stories just to encourage you about how good God is. Not long after that experience, there was this young girl that we met and uh, she was abused in probably every way that you could imagine as a young girl and began to, you know, talk to her about Jesus and Tell her that Jesus has a plan for your life and he has, you know, a purpose for your life. And she's just like, I don't believe it. It's easy for people, you know, we throw off things and say, you know, God has a plan for your life. He loves you. It's easy enough to say, when you've been through some stuff, it's hard enough to, it's harder to accept. So we're just telling her, she's like, I don't believe you. And she's like, I've got scars, man. We're like, yeah, we've all got scars. She's like, no, no, I've got physical scars. She pulls up her her, um, pants and she's got a scar across her leg from a time that she was abused. She's like, how can can God be real? It's a reminder every day of what happened to me. So we're there. I just said, can we pray for you? Because at that point, there's no more words to say. 
Like, stop trying to explain it, convince them. There's no more words to say, hey, let me pray for you. I, I don't have to prove God to you because he's real and he's alive. And if he's real and he's alive and he is who he said he is, then if your heart's open, he'll reveal himself to you. We just lay hands on a group of us, lay hands on us. We pray. We just pray, God, <coughs> would our all scars go inside and out? There's about six of us who watched as this scar disappeared into her leg. And she was set free and gave her life to Jesus. What is that? The proof and the evidence of the life, death, resurrection and transforming power of Jesus. There was another time I was in class. School, man, don't waste your school years. You're just like in a room full of people that need Jesus all the time. I was in class. There was a couple of, you know, really popular kids. I used to wear this big cross around my neck because I thought it was cool. Yeah, uh, I'm like, yeah, like you're a Christian or something. Now instantly, like I'm like, oh man, we're in the middle of English class. I kind of want an excuse not to listen. I don't know. They, they're going to like pick on me or something. I don't know what I thought. Just scared, you know. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I am actually. Then I felt the Holy Spirit like kind of come upon me a little bit. And it went from, yeah, I am actually, to, like, actually, yeah, no, I actually am. I had a supernatural encounter with him when I was 16 years of age. It changed my entire life. I didn't believe in God. I didn't think he was real. Then he found me, broken, hurting, messed up. He found me. Begin to tell him my story a little bit more. Begin to tell him the gospel of Jesus. You know, we, we, as mankind, we've been separated from God. I think you can see that. But through Jesus, he made a way. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He knows every, you know, you know, what's going on in your life and he wants a relationship with you. The Holy Spirit hits kind of like the classroom in year 12. These, you know, four guys start weeping, sit there, like hold their hands, pray the salvation prayer with them. I look up, man, I've never felt this way before. Then I'm in, rudely interrupted by the teacher who says, get the heck out of my class. Then I go out. I'm on a high. That was amazing. God's awesome. Kids walking past. Have you heard about Jesus? Get lost. Okay, no worries. (laughs) But I would take a thousand get losts for what I just saw in that room. The proof evidence of the life, death, resurrection and transforming power of Jesus. Last story. I was at a party. You were at a party? Were you a Christian? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was at a party. I had my six pack of solos. And I, um, as an 18 year old, no, I think I was 19 actually. And, um, you know, this music playing, it's bumming. See this person across the room, and for whatever reason, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and just say, you need to go t- talk to that person. And again, people can get weird, like, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's telling you to talk to that person. But anyway, but it's like, okay, I'm going to go. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, um, this is going to sound real weird, but I believe that Jesus is, you know, real. And I feel like he, he just came to t- tell me, uh, to tell you, uh, you know, I'm fumbling. I, 
I know he knows what's happened to you was unfair. But in the end, he promises to make it all right. He can take it or leave it. She's like staring at me. I'm like, okay, cool. Who told you? I'm not even sure I know what we're talking about here, but like, nobody, who told you? She says, I haven't told anyone what happened to me. Who told you? Like, listen, <laughs> don't hurt me, one. I, I, I was just like, I don't know. It's like, how do you know? It's like, I don't think I know. I said, but there is a God out there that knows you and his greatest desire is for you to know him as well. She bursts into tears. Pray with her. Some friends I knew brought her to church the next day. She gave her life to Jesus. The proof, the evidence of the life, death, resurrection and transforming power of Jesus comes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Selfish Christianity, give my life to Jesus. Amazing. He speaks to us. He guides us. He gives us joy when we shouldn't have joy. Peace when we shouldn't have peace. Walks with us, talks with us, guides us. It's amazing. It's great. But there is a secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit where He says, you know what, I haven't just called you just to fix your life. I've called you to be a beacon and a light to the world. And we are not a light to the world unless we become the proof, the evidence of the life, death, resurrection, transforming power of the light of the world. His name's Jesus. I've had the band up here way too long. I'm sorry. Hey, would you stand on your feet with me just for a moment? I just want to pray for you. If you want to have a secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit, then as the band sings this song, I just want you to come to the front. The reason I ask you to come to the front is because I think there's something powerful when we physically move from one spot to another as an act or a posture to God saying, God, I want to meet with you. I want to encounter you. And so if you've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit or, you know, this secondary encounter that talks about in Scripture, um, <clears throat> then come down the front. Um, it, I'm, I, for those of you who have seen some stuff and been around, maybe you've come from a more conservative background, I promise you it's not going to be weird. No one's going to push you. No one's going <laughs> to blow into the microphone. No one's going to yell fire and start kicking people over. No one's going to do that because I don't believe in that. The supernatural power of God is enough. All I'm, all I'm going to do is just lay hands on you and say, Holy Spirit, would you come upon this person? And we're going to move on. What's going to happen? Well, that's up to God. I don't think fire from heaven is going to fall and light everyone on fire here. Although, I don't know. <laughs> that also is up to God. Will people fall over? Maybe. That's up to God. Will people cry? Maybe. That's up to God. People get goosebumps and feelings. Maybe. It's up to God. I've seen it happen both ways. I've seen people feel absolutely nothing when they get prayed for and then over a week as they go home have an incredible encounter with God that changes them. And I've also seen the latter where people come and have this supernatural encounter with God here at the altar. That is up to God. That's not up to us. Our job is to faithfully just pray for people who want to receive the Holy Spirit upon them. And that's all we're going to do. 
You don't have to force anything. If it's new to you, you don't have to force an experience. You don't have to do anything. Just be open. We're just going to pray for you. Holy Spirit will come upon you. If you've had an experience like that before, but you feel like you're being shifted, moved, and coming into a new season, then maybe it's time to surrender your heart again in the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you come upon me for a new season that's ahead? For a new season that's ahead. Come on, let's pray. The band can begin to sing. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. I pray that it would do what it needs to do in people's hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that if you're moving and shifting and shaking and moving on people's hearts now, that you would give them the boldness to respond, to be prayed for. And Holy Spirit, we give you free room. I pray that you would come upon your people, that you would encounter your people today, that you would come upon them to be a witness in our community, to become the proof and the evidence of the life, death, resurrection, transforming power of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, why don't we sing that? If that's you and you and you want prayer, don't wait. Don't worry about what people are thinking about you, all that kind of stuff. Just come as we begin to sing this together. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.